0: Welcome to Follow the Data. I'm your host, Katherine Oliver. City streets have always been our most important public spaces. A well-designed street that works for everyone, whether you're walking or biking, taking a bus or driving a car, becomes not just a way to get from point A to point B, but a true destination itself. A growing number of cities around the world are embracing public art as an effective and relatively low cost strategy to activate their streets and make them safer and more inviting to residents and visitors. Bringing light and color to dull asphalt and concrete can reshape the way we experience daily life in our cities. And that holds especially true during the pandemic, with people traveling less and spending more time exercising, dining, and socializing outside. In 2019, Bloomberg Philanthropies launched. The Asphalt Art Initiative to help cities use art to improve street safety, revitalize public spaces, and engage their local communities. Our pro bono consulting arm, Bloomberg Associates, produced the Asphalt Art Guide, which highlights successful art activations in cities around the world and provides advice and tips for cities interested in making their own asphalt art projects. We also funded pilot projects in 16 small and mid-sized cities around the country to demonstrate the impact of these low-cost interventions and encourage cities to develop long-lasting processes for implementing effective asphalt art. In this episode, David Anderson of the Bloomberg Associates Arts Team and Nick Mosquera of the Bloomberg Associates Transportation Team talk with representatives from three of our funded projects that were installed this fall. Jamie Forbes, a community leader and former city council member from Saginaw, Michigan. Duran Netzel, a streetscape designer who managed an installation in Kansas City, Missouri. And Mensah Bay, an artist who designed a mural that was implemented in Norfolk, Virginia. They discuss how asphalt art encourages residents to take ownership of their streets, how cities can redesign roads to make them safer and how to engage community members in cities that may be installing public art projects. Hi, Nick.
1: Hi, David. I think this is great. How often do art nerds and transportation wonks come together to talk shop? I mean... You and I geek out together about this kind of stuff all the time, but this time we're being recorded.
2: Well, we better make it good then.
1: (laughs) Okay, so we're here to talk about the Asphalt Art Initiative, which helps cities use art to improve street safety, beautify public space, and bring residents together to be a part of the process. Asphalt Art is squarely at the intersection of arts and transportation, and this initiative is a nice collaboration between your team and mine. But before we go any further, let's answer the burning question. What is asphalt art? We define
2: asphalt art as any kind of creative intervention on transportation infrastructure. Infrastructure usually refers to streets themselves, often in intersections or crosswalks or sidewalks, anywhere in the right of way. But it also includes spaces such as pedestrian plazas or even things like signal boxes or underpasses basically anything that requires buy-in from both an artist and a local department of transportation or public works. Probably the easiest way to explain asphalt art is by showing you photos, but since this is a podcast, uh, we encourage everybody to check out our website, asphaltart.bloomberg.org, to see some great images and videos about these kinds of projects.
1: I think one of the reasons asphalt art is a special category is that it brings the arts and transportation worlds together. I work with public art projects all the time, and you work with public infrastructure projects, but asphalt art is necessarily both. That's the reason we're both here on this podcast today. So let me ask you, as the transportation guy, what makes you excited about the art part of asphalt art?
2: Well, when my boss, Jeanette Sadekhan, took over as Mike Bloomberg's commissioner of the New York City Department of Transportation, the streets were pretty drab affairs basically rivers of gray asphalt overflowing with cars. They were somehow both lifeless and life-threatening at the same time. But we were able to flip that script. Over six and a half years later, we had reclaimed 180 acres of former road space for walking, for biking, for transit, and built some 60 uh, new pedestrian plazas. Reclaiming streets for people gave us a huge canvas for safer street designs with vibrant urban artwork, Uh, which stood out as some of our biggest successes, perhaps none more so than Times Square. We started by creating a new pedestrian space at the crossroads of the world with a world-class mural, and then built support for the permanent public space you still see out there today. Projects like these can deliver real results. In the new Times Square Plaza, pedestrian injuries plummeted by 35%, even as the number of pedestrians using the space soared. And we created this huge new canvas at the most prominent intersection in New York City. So let me ask you in return, as the arts guy, what makes you excited about the asphalt part of asphalt
1: art? I'm a big advocate of art for art's sake. And especially when it comes to art in the public realm, I say the more art, the better. But art can be a tool for more than just making the side of a building more beautiful. It can actually be used to make a street safer or to define an entirely new public space. It's such an amazing thing when an artist is brought to the table by their city to help shape what it's like to walk down the street. Those opportunities don't come around often enough. Also, I found that public art and public realm projects like these are even more important and popular during the pandemic, not less. With people craving connections to each other and to their communities, public life has gone outdoors. Asphalt art projects provide our cities with low-cost, high-impact opportunities to make our streets safer, draw support for struggling small businesses, or even just provide a neighborhood with a little bit of light and color during very tough times.
2: Nice. It's uh, amazing what just a little paint can do out there on the street. So it's clear that we're fans of asphalt art, uh, and we took that shared enthusiasm and we turned it into this initiative. First, in collaboration with Street Plans, a renowned tactical urbanism firm, we produced the Asphalt Art Guide, which is a step-by-step handbook for how cities and communities can pull these projects off. At the same time, we launched a grant program through which we're now funding 16 small and medium-sized cities around the country to install their own asphalt art to show the outsized impacts these kinds of projects can have on their own local streets.
1: Okay, so enough chatter from us. We have some great guests to bring on from three of our asphalt art cities that recently installed projects this fall. We'll be hearing from an urban designer in Kansas City, Missouri, a mural artist in Norfolk, Virginia, and a city council member in Saginaw, Michigan. Each of them was deeply involved in their city's project, but they each played different roles and have unique perspectives on what asphalt art can do for a city. We'll start with Saginaw, our first project to install, where the Regional Transit Authority worked with a community group to paint huge ground murals on three intersections along a major downtown street that crosses a river to connect two historically divided neighborhoods. Let's have a listen.
2: So joining us now is Jamie Forbes from Saginaw, Michigan. She is one of the founders of the Great Mural Project, which is the community group that led this Asphalt Art Project. She's also the Director of External Affairs at the Saginaw Transit Authority, and she's just wrapping up her term on the Saginaw City Council. Jamie, thank you for being so epically civically engaged uh, and for joining us today. Welcome. Oh, thank
3: you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Tell us a bit about how the project came about. How do you How do you approach it? How do you choose these three particular intersections out of all the options?
3: The reason that we chose these three particular intersections is that we are a city divided by a river and the river is symbolically and, and logistically a huge divider in town. Historically, the east side of the river has been most of our um, of our black population of our Latino population, and the west side has been white people and to be able to to have that conversation, to be intentional about discussing the divisions and that unless we are intentionally relationship building, we're never gonna get past these divisions that we have. This location, you know, having pieces on both sides of the river is really important, but we also, our repeating image was that of a butterfly, which really to us uh, symbolized transformation, and that is absolutely what Saginaw is going through.
2: So what does it mean to implement a project like this during the pandemic?
3: Knowing all of the CDC guidelines, we really thought that we could have an event a gathering that was safe and have music and food and just try to have something that allowed people to be out and be meeting their neighbors again after such a long time being apart in a safe way. So with being outside, with uh, social distancing and with masks, we really thought that we could do this safely. And I think that that's exactly what we did. And it was one of my most favorite days in Saginaw. It was so fun. It um, was really good for my heart to see so many people out and enjoying public art. And I know that the murals have been super popular since then. And so we are just so pleased with how everything worked out part of our plan was was not just to to install the murals but to make a community event out of it. We invited the public to paint a butterfly across the bridge. So there's there's I think 150 butterflies. And to me that really is a symbol too of us coming together across this river that has divided us for so long and to allow our our neighbors to, you know, to permanently lay their hand on this bridge that is so important to us as a community and yet so complicated too and so I think that there's just it's beautiful yes but I think it means so much and that's the part that I'm the most excited about
2: that's a really inspiring story and and it raises the question for me I think you started to touch on this but why asphalt art it seems like this type of project this type of artwork brings people together in a way that other types of public art don't. So is that in fact what you're seeing here?
3: Yeah, I think for sure. I think there's a there's a certain amount of rebellion that I think people feel about asphalt art, if that makes any sense. I think that people felt so excited to get to paint on the sidewalk, right? To have someone paint on the road feels very like very risky, like very rebellious. I don't know. There's just something about like, I mean, closing the road and covering this space with an image that everyone's going to see and that everyone's going to enjoy. I think that that's the difference between regular murals and asphalt murals is that it feels just a little bit more in your face. Like these are intersections that thousands of people pass every day. And now it is more beautiful for them every single day.
2: You know, some cities actually have a lot of trouble navigating their city engineer or their state Department of Transportation or Public Works Department. It seems like you you haven't had any of those issues. So are there any experiences or lessons that you would offer other cities looking to do their first asphalt art project?
3: Without knowing much about it, you might assume that, you know, the city engineer might say, oh, well, an asphalt mural is going to cause accidents. But the truth is that asphalt murals make people pay attention closer and there's less accidents. And with data to prove that, I think that you can just say, look the data speaks for itself. I think that that the best part about Great Marrow Project for me has always been that if you ask and you give people a good opportunity to do something that they think is cool, we have received so many yeses. And that's not because we're awesome or anything. That's just because people want to, they want to have a positive impact on their community. And so I think just giving folks an opportunity to enjoy that magic too uh, will will end up, I mean, already we're, th- we're thinking about which business owners, I mean, the paint company, all these folks that we're totally going to work with again. And that I think, I hope that they'll be so psyched about how this went, that they'll want to work with us again. So just being so intentional about those relationships, I think is so important.
1: So what is a project like this? What does it mean for the future of the city of Saginaw, of the great mural project of public art around you?
3: I mean, we are a little Saginaw, right? I mean, I think we're an interesting place. I'm partial, of course, but to get this kind of national attention is huge for us. To be able to raise the money that we did from this grant and to be able to use that as as matching funds for the other monies that we were able to raise for this particular project. And to get the kind of attention that we've gotten for this is huge for us. And and I know, I already know that it has changed our ability to fundraise in the future. All of this depends on relationships and if we can just get our foot in the door, I think that the potential is, is endless. <music>
1: Jamie's such a great advocate for asphalt art, and her team did an incredible job putting together a big community event during COVID. We've been hearing time and time again from our city partners that bringing people together in person is really challenging right now, but when it's done safely, it can be so inspiring and fun.
2: Absolutely. Next, we'll head to Norfolk, Virginia, uh, where the city's arts agency partnered with the police department in a local Boys and Girls Club to plan ground murals in three different neighborhoods. This project is really focused on engaging the community and improving the relationship between residents and police officers. And the team just completed their first 100-foot mural in the Norview neighborhood in October.
1: We are happy to be joined by Mensa Bay, a painter, illustrator, and printmaker from Norfolk, Virginia, who was selected to design the city's first of three asphalt art murals funded through our initiative. Mensa, thank you so much for being here with us.
4: You're welcome. Thank you all for having me.
1: So, to start, give us a little overview of your project.
4: Sure. Yeah. So the project, uh, as you mentioned, was the first of three asphalt art initiative projects that Norfolk is doing it was organized by Norfolk Arts and they collaborated with the Boys and Girls Club of Southeastern Virginia and the Norfolk Police Department. And they, you know, they, they put out a request for uh, artists to uh, come up with some designs. So I applied just to see what would happen. And they reached out to me and they selected me to to do that. And then it was a two-day community engagement painting project that, you know, We painted for two days and then had a a party or a a ribbon cutting on that Saturday to really celebrate the the mural and the community. it worked out really well.
1: Yeah, I mean, the final project was amazing. What was the inspiration for it and what does it mean for the neighborhood?
4: The inspiration, it came from, you know, a lot from the community. Uh, They were asking about, you know, how can they... Change some of the community relations with in between the community members and the, the police department. They were talking about the businesses that exist there, or some of the small businesses that used to exist there, and how they would like to re-enliven that type of energy. And so I got inspired by just somewhat the population of that community and the, the demographic of that community. I think it's largely African-American. I looked for symbolisms and, and different things that related to the community. And so we, we thought of ideas of unity, togetherness, abundance, uh, time changing, and you know uh, put together you know a design that really encompassed all those ideas and, and how we could put some ideas towards you know the wealth of that community, uh, whether it be in creating new small businesses or just having people more energetic or lively in the area.
1: I'm curious to hear about your experience of painting on asphalt. You've worked on many different surfaces. How is asphalt different?
4: Mostly the angle that you're working at because it's on the ground, but Texture-wise, you know, it's it's really just a matter of rough or smooth texture. So the tape that I usually use in my own work is usually just blue painters tape. But out there on that rough textured uh, asphalt, we we have to use gorilla tape, which was suggested by your tech team, and that worked out, you know, stupendous. It was amazing how it turned out.
2: That's great. You know, the community engagement element is really one of the most powerful parts of your project. I wonder, can you tell us a bit more about how that collaborative spirit really factors into the artwork itself?
4: I designed based on how can the community engage with this artwork from how they painted it or coming out and painted it and then how they interacted with it afterwards. And so I developed the design so that it would be, you know, large shapes that people could easily be directed to paint. There weren't a whole lot of blending or anything. It was just take this one color, paint this shape, this color, and it was as simple as that. And so it it left a lot of room for me to kind of direct and engage with the community and trust them with a lot. As people showed up in their groups, they, they kind of worked together. The Governor's School for the Arts was like our local art school. Another fellow artist friend of mine, he had his students come out and help that day. And I mean, they showed up in droves and they kind of all just worked in their little groups and and painted these sections. And so it was just kind of fun watching, kind of working their groups that they felt safe in.
1: You mentioned the opening event, which was a great day. There was a DJ, there were people dancing on the mural, police officers were giving up popsicles. What was it like to see the space that you created come to life?
4: It was it was really exciting, really exciting. Like people just out there, you know, without the barriers in there. Like people just out there, like enjoying it, taking pictures. So yeah, and uh, it really was exciting to see that. And then people coming up to me and and talking to me about what what they felt it was doing for them, for the the community. There's another guy as a friend of mine who, every time he sees me now, he's just like, "Man, you really you don't understand what you just did to the city, or you just did for my area," because he lives in that area. And the more I see it and hear from him, I'm just like, "Wow!" Like this is somebody I know. And I'm like, the more he's repeating it, I'm like, I really did something to touch somebody I already knew. Like he, as much as he's already impressed with what I might do, like I've affected somebody that, that already knows me. And so that was really powerful to, to, to experience. You know, the message in it that I wanted to portray, I think I got to portray through this project, which is, you know, putting artwork in these kind of somewhat forgotten communities, as opposed to in the kind of designated art districts or areas, you know, everybody deserves, you know, the arts. And so being able to put it back in the communities that you might live in or, or that seem to be forgotten, it gives them an opportunity to, you know, just springboard them into something even more uh, or be inspired to just do something with their neighborhoods or you know, take claim to their neighborhoods.
2: It's really great to hear how a project like this can inspire like-minded projects in other neighborhoods. Hopefully this helps build a whole new generation of asphalt artists in Norfolk and around the country.
1: I can't wait to see their next two projects in the spring. So finally, we'll turn to Kansas City, Missouri, which is one of our most safety focused projects. The city's Department of Public Works worked with a neighborhood group and a local design firm to transform a dangerous intersection to make it safer and just generally more inviting for pedestrians. By painting murals at the four corners of the intersection, they actually extended the sidewalks into the street, cutting down the crossing distance and preventing drivers from speeding or taking sharp turns.
2: We're now joined by Duran Netzel from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, He's an urban designer, a principal at the tactical urbanism firm Street Smarts Design and Build, and he's also on the board of Midtown KC Now, which is the community group that led this Asphalt Art Project. Thank you for joining us today, Duran. Yeah, thank you for having me. So to start us off, why don't you just give us a quick summary of the project in your own words?
5: Our project is in uh, Westport, which is the, actually the oldest neighborhood of, of Kansas City, Missouri. It was the jumping off point for the pioneers in the Oregon Trail and the Santa Fe Trail. And we chose the intersection of Westport Road and Wyandotte Street, which is a, a very large intersection. It's got some great uses. There's a post office, library, a garden store, and a, and a really great historic church. Uh, but in terms of the street, it's wide, it's bare, it's desolate, it's dangerous we observed cars traveling up to 50 miles an hour in our pre-collection data. And we identified this as an intersection with an enormous amount of potential. And we played through a couple different designs and we did the most to improve the safety while also increasing the vibrancy. And I think we did a really good job of blending those two, of doing something that's beautiful, but it's also has a tremendous safety component to it.
2: That's great. Tell us a little bit more about what wasn't working, and maybe how the design fixed those problems.
5: The first thing you notice as you walk on the intersection is, is, one, it's it's very large. It's difficult to cross. It's, it's a long way to get to the other side of the road. But to make it even tougher is we have speeding cars almost constantly going through the intersection. And so one of the critical components to this intersection was adding new stop signs. And so we basically extended the curb uh, by using planters, bollards, and limestone boulders. And that opened up about 4,000 square feet worth of canvas space for artists. And we placed those stop signs in the curb extensions. So we kind of geometrically altered the intersection and almost shrunk the intersection, kind of made it more of a human scale, uh, which helped motorists observe those stop signs, travel slower through the intersection. And then it created these really cool spaces for these muralists. And so we had four different local artists do four different pieces at the intersection to fill those spaces and create that vibrancy. And then we did a a community painted mural in the middle of the intersection. And it turned out really, really cool. It's very vibrant. It's very lively. I mean, pedestrians now have the priority where previously you risked your life to cross the road. Now it's like this intersection is for you to cross the road. And it happens to be that cars are moving through. We haven't collected our host data collection yet to know exactly what those traffic speeds are, but you can witness with your own eyes that the traffic has been cut down tremendously. So we, you know, it was a lot of up and downs, a lot of uncertainty in getting a permission for this, but working with public works, city council, and the mayor's office, everybody came on board to realize this is a great project and it's a great time to experiment with some of this stuff that pushes the envelope a little bit. And now that it's on the ground, I think everybody's really happy with it. And, and we hope that this will set a precedent for future traffic calming efforts. We know speeding through neighborhoods all throughout the country and especially in Kansas City is a major problem. And we've kind of shown that, look, here's a way to make the road safer and a way to also make the neighborhood more beautiful.
1: And it doesn't have to be one or the other. And here's a way to do both. So you've described basically a two-part design process. First, you redesigned the traffic safety elements of the intersection, and then you invited artists to design the murals for the reclaimed spaces. So tell us why it was important for you to bring in artists at all. Why not just make the stop signs and make the crosswalks shorter without art?
5: We took something that was really benign, not really fun to look at, and we let these artists just have fun. And it's, it's so vibrant. We used traffic striping paint to ensure that the paint lasts longer than the typical exterior paint. And so we are actually limited with a, a palette of colors. So we only had five colors to choose from. That's all traffic striping paint is made in. And so we thought we might be limiting the artist a little bit with this certain palette, but what it actually did was it actually helped all four corners really tie together with kind of a specific palette. So while they're all very different in style and, and characteristics and, and type of painting, if you will, they all blend together very well. And you can see in the pictures, this traffic stripe and paint is, is made to go on the asphalt. It's made to bind to the the oil-based surface of that asphalt. And so it really has this whole new element of vibrancy. Had we just done typical paint, we would have opened it up for more colors, but it wouldn't be quite as vibrant as it is. It's incredibly fun to see. And and really, every time I'm at the intersection, I see people there with their phones taking pictures and selfies and asking their kids to pose with the pictures. It's really kind of a, a neighborhood attraction now. And that's not something I could have done on my own. I mean, I like to think I'm creative in my own ways, but when it comes to artwork, that's not something that I can do very well. And so our our artists really did a phenomenal job. Our installation's only been on the ground for about three weeks now. Immediately, the library, the church, and the business at the intersection all reached out to just say, hey, we love what you guys have done. Uh, Not only is this bad needed safety improvements, but you've also created this whole new level of vibrancy that we didn't even know was possible. And, you know, we've got some some offers to help water our trees. The planters that that we use to help define the space, I'm calling them nursery trees. And so we've got these tall native trees in in, in these 36-inch pots. They won't last forever there, um, but the hope is that these trees will grow for a few years and then we'll plant them permanently in the neighborhood. So we've got some offers to water the plants, but every time I walk through the intersection, there are people taking pictures of this artwork. We've seen people playing in them. People have sent me videos of their children playing in the artwork. And I love to walk by and eavesdrop on people's conversation and and hearing them talk about the different pieces of art and how they go together or how they're different or how they interpret them. Most people are just stumbling upon it and say, oh my gosh, I, I had no idea this was here and how fun now it is to cross.
2: How do you think you will measure or how will you be defining success for the project going forward?
5: So on the the quantitative side, we've recorded the pre-traffic speeds. I think we clocked somebody doing about 50 miles an hour through this intersection. Speed limit's 35, which is probably a little high for this area anyway. So we're going to record the post-data traffic speeds, which you can walk by and and you know that it's moving so much slower, largely because of the stop signs, but also our curb extensions have narrowed the lanes and tightened the turn radii. An interesting thing that we want to do is is record the the decibel levels of the traffic. So when these cars are speeding through, it's very loud. And I've got that pre-data. And now with these cars moving a lot slower through the intersection, it's much quieter. We'll record that data to to prove that um, so it's not just anecdotal. And we also launched a a pre-installation survey. And this is kind of the qualitative data, asking people, what what does it feel like to cross the road? Do you feel comfortable here? What could be done to improve it? Here in the next week, we'll launch a a post-installation survey asking people, okay, well now, how does it feel to cross the road? Now, do you feel comfortable? And, you know, based on who we've talked to in the community, I think there's gonna be an overwhelming positive response and and perception of increased safety as well as an actual increase in safety. But that combination of data and qualitative collecting of people's responses, I think will really show the benefits of these types of installations.
2: It's really amazing that just a few splashes of paint can actually slow traffic and potentially even save lives. So that wraps up our interviews. We are so thrilled to have gotten to work with all of these incredible people to make all of these incredible projects happen.
1: I wanted to pick up on something that Jamie and Saginaw said about painting on the street feeling rebellious. I think that's totally true. It changes the way you see your streets when you can make them into a canvas for messages of unity or enthusiasm about your community or social justice. We've seen that especially this summer with Black Lives Matter murals that started in Washington, D.C. and have popped up on city streets across the country. Painting your street is a powerful act, and it does feel rebellious. But... What if it were common practice to bring artists and community members to the table to imbue our city streets with vibrancy and meaning? I totally agree.
2: Uh, That's what we've seen in New York City and around the world. People didn't even know that it was possible to change the look and feel of their streets. And when you show them how much potential is hidden right there in plain sight out there on the asphalt, People really take ownership of their streets and of their cities. And perhaps best of all, these catalytic projects don't cost much. We've seen many that are only a few thousand bucks, which is really a rounding error in a transportation budget. They just have such an outsized impact in their neighborhoods.
1: Well, this has been really fun. A reminder to everyone listening to check out our website, asphaltart.bloomberg.org for photos and videos of the projects you just heard about and to download our free guide so that you can learn how to make asphalt art in your own community.
2: Till next time, go paint the town.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Follow the Data. Many thanks to David Anderson, Nick Mosquera, Jamie Forbes, Duran Netzel, and Mensa Bay for joining us. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to Follow the Data. This episode was created by Devin Alessio, Ivy Lee, Rebecca Carriero, Amy June, Maren Warhoftik, Sarah Washington-Gogan, Bibi Nunez, and Madeline Nishon. As our founder, Mike Bloomberg, says, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So until next time, keep following the data. I'm Catherine Oliver. Thanks for listening.